Always, who uh, recently had a birthday, Chisholm. We both were just uh, utterly swamped last week, and uh, I know you took on some new roles within your community. Plus, you had that you turned the big four zero, so you're an old man now, uh, certainly older than me. So, happy belated birthday! And uh, why don't you tell us what you're what you're doing within your community? I'm, I think uh, things needed to be shaken up there in uh, your neck of the woods. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the birthday wishes. Um, it's uh, congratulations something. on the sex, by the way. <laughs> uh, it was pretty good. My dad will have a comment for me about that one. He's a uh, he's a little disturbed by your by your obsession with that topic. Uh, what well, guy hey. isn't obsessed about it? You know what? We're just willing. To, I'm just willing oh, to talk trust about me. It. He is. He's just yeah. getting older. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he gives us the four stars. Why does uh, what does every guy really want for their birthday? Women, if any women listen to the show, there's your answer. Right, of course. Um, yeah, so birthday was awesome. Ashley did this really cool thing, which you took part in, where instead of you know throwing a party, which I didn't really want. I thought I did for a while, but as we got closer, I was like, you know, I don't really want to, you know, have a party for myself. That sounds lame right. and not my style. And <laughs> she came up with this cool idea because you know she's I consider myself a man of words. That's the gift God gave me, talent God gave me, communication. And uh, so she had all y'all write me like a personal letter note. Mm -hmm. That was pretty awesome. Um, It hit the nail on the head. Uh, It was a brilliant idea. But anyway, as far as the community, I ran for the board of directors in my homeowners association this year. It's actually the second time I got... uh, stonewalled the first go around um cast as someone who wanted to legalize deer hunting in the neighborhood well that's partly true uh well i mean i, I would support it but <laughs> it's not a battle i would it, like it wasn't why i was running or a battle i planned to revisit that's right it was settled in this neighborhood yeah. the uh the wounds from the, the debate are still quite fresh uh regardless of the fact that the parks and wildlife straight up told everybody you know this it's really something y'all should allow because you got way too many deer. Uh-huh. Uh, and the truth is a majority of the homes in the neighborhood actually supported it. Didn't go through. There's some real adamant voices against it. So whatever. They they managed to keep me out last time. Well, they didn't keep me out this go around. And we have a development project being proposed at the entrance to our neighborhood across from uh, kind of the road off the highway that we're, we're off of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like any commercial development property, it certainly has its share of, uh, objections. Um, but a lot of the objections over the course of the last year were just not based in fact or reality or science. And that sounds I, familiar. Yeah, sure does, man. I, I tell you what, to that point, this, this little, this little thing I'm involved in is a perfect microcosm of what is wrong in the country at large, man. It is a small highly vocal group um the majority of which have a legitimate gripe because they live like a few hundred feet from this thing right so uh, i get them 
Yeah. And, and the, the majority of them have taken a logical and, you know, kind of law and fact-based approach to their objections. But there's this segment that sort of poisoned the well that made it all about environmental concerns that were just not legitimate uh, as an environmental expert. And I don't say that lightly. I've been doing this stuff, including my education for 18 years. There was no basis in fact or reality. And what was being claimed, and um, I stood up against it, you know, most of that being online, not surprising. Right. <clears throat> stood up against it then, um, late last year, was told by certain people they wouldn't vote for me if I didn't take a hard stance against the project. And I said, um, if I have to lose, the, if I have to kowtow to your fear mongering to win the election, I don't want it. And a uh, man of were, convictions, folks. <laughs> well, <laughs> anybody will tell you that this is a thankless role anyway. So it's not exactly <laughs> like I was risking a lot. <laughs> yeah, anybody who served on a HOA board will tell you it's a thankless job. And if, it, if, if my actual paid job was on the line, you know, that would be a real test of conviction. But either way, uh, I went ahead and threw my hat in the ring, sort of defied the, uh, the loud voices and still managed to get one of the three spots. They were up for grabs, and now I'm in a position where I'm kind of trying to lead the neighborhood to work together to negotiate the best overall outcome rather than, um, you know, just, just fighting tooth and nail when there's a concept in commercial property called highest and best use. Right. Um, and it's sort of a fundamental, like, bedrock principle within commercial real estate, which says that, you know, free market principles dictate that that the most profitable use for a piece of property will reveal itself and that it will make itself that basically. Right. Sure. So, um, there's a, there's a, the, the entity that wants to develop this thing is a very reputable company, uh, known for being a good neighbor and for, you know, maintaining a, an impeccable operation. And, uh, you're getting, plenty- a, you're getting a Bucky's, uh, close. Quick it's trip. Right. Quick trip. That's right. Oh yeah, I love Quick Trip. Right, they're fantastic. Uh, yeah. They are. They are. They compete with Bucky's for you know, clean bathrooms. That's right. Super clean bathroom. Bathrooms. Pretty decent food. Um, and a mile of concessions they're already willing to make. And you know, Plan B is apparently, by basically all accounts, a Circle K. So, I am uh, <clears throat> going to say that it's a lot better than Allsup's from the bathroom cleanliness standpoint, and also that gut bomb of a burrito that they sell. <laughs> I'm gonna stay away from all gut bomb burritos in general. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know it, it, they, they've really shown willingness to work with us and to give quite a bit to get where they want to be. So, you know, that's not to say we're just you know gonna endorse anything, but we're at least gonna sit down and have a conversation versus just uh, fighting about it. And I, the good thing is I've got even the folks up front who are the most uh, kind of most impacted by it have whether they kind of join into those conversations or not, they've at least um, acknowledged that you know, their sort of position doesn't necessarily reflect the entire greater community. Right. So I'll leave it at that. It'll be uh, a work in progress and we'll see what happens with it, but it's been fun to have an opportunity to, you know, again, that microcosm of society right now, right. There was this really small group, even, even again, a fraction of the kind of group that is most impacted, a small, small contingent of very loud, very hostile actors had sort of cowed everybody into silence and, you know, to not only have a chance to stand against it uh, with conviction to your point, but then to see like kind of a tidal wave of people follow suit and say, yeah, let's have a conversation, man. Stop, you know, 
when, when, when you hit everybody with real facts and real analysis and all of a sudden they were like, oh, so we're not going to die of cancer from our water being poisoned? Right. Water that comes from 500 foot below the ground under 12 layers of hill country rock? Wait, hold on. Let's, I thought for sure that's what was going to happen. So anyway. Is every other neighborhood in America uh, dying of cancer that has a gas station on the corner? No, come on. It's fear mongering people. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> we can move on to something more important if in fact there is anything. Uh, yeah, there's a few great, things. Uh, great words of Coach Bob Knight. <laughs> yeah, I love Bob Knight. Um, some t- I think I kind of reflected his temperament in my younger days as far as uh, some of my outbursts on the soccer pitch were concerned. Um, but I've grown out of that, Chisholm. I actually had a, a over 30 game last night, and now my left ass cheek hurts so bad from sciatica or some crap I've got going on. You know, the older I get uh, – the more often I feel like I need a massage just to maintain, you know, just to keep playing on Mondays every Tuesday. I'm like, when is my massage? And that's sad, man. I can tell you, I feel the same way. I don't, I, I, I should go get worked on more often. I, I've got a bunch of tools that I use, which I've shared with you that I have. I was using them. Ashley helped me with my back last night and I was scraping on some areas earlier today that it's basically daily maintenance for me mount now. Um, yeah. I wish I'd have started a long time ago. I wouldn't have, like I'm, I'm trying to break up years of neglect, yeah. And I'm hoping there's some kind of like, some kind of plateau coming where I'll be at like kind of doing more maintenance instead of continuing to try to, like I said, dig, break dig up. out of a hole. Yeah, exactly. I'm digging out of a hole, and um, right. but yeah, I think it comes with. Uh, well, I'm at the top of the the age hill. At 40 yeah. is still the top of the hill, and you're uh, you're pretty close. So 40 is the new 30, though. That's all right. People are living longer. We'll, we'll sort out all these aches and pains eventually or well, maybe this is just the new normal i don't know uh but it certainly sucks <laughs> yeah i mean i completely agree 40 is the new 30 uh i can say for my side that my 40 year old self could kick the crap out of my 30 year old self right and uh, i hope to say the same when i'm 50 about my 40 year old self but uh <sighs> that might be pushing it some of these techniques that we have now and, and knowledge that we have now is part of the reason 40 is a new 30, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's move on to some of the topics for today. And, you know, on episode, uh, last episode, we talked about some of the rewriting of, of history, like books, like Glenn Beck specifically has a lot of stuff to say on that. I don't want to get into that today. I want to table that, do a little bit more research on it and find out exactly which books have been manipulated and from, uh, from fact to fiction, essentially. Um, so I, I do want to table that, maybe do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Sounds Today, like let's, let's, there's a couple quick hits I have. First of all, did you see that the Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler, pepper sprayed a man who was videoing him, uh, asking him why he wasn't wearing a mask while dining out? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I did see that uh, Antifa tried or maybe did burn down the Democratic HQ there. Or at least know, attacked I'm proud it. of Antifa. That's great that they're 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 so bipartisan now that they're attacking the Democrats who they voted for. So, good job, Antifa. Yeah, you know, you say that. I don't know that they're not just anarchists. Uh, I don't know that they support anybody. I think that I do think that the Democratic Party was happy to embrace their uh, their tyranny to yep. uh, you know 
gain politically, but you know, I think the real if fundamental the Democrats ones are, support Antifa. So that's we'll put it. They certainly way. cover for them. They certainly yeah. cover for them, man. Yeah. It's just an idea. Uh, I think the former Democratic National Convention, like president, uh, objected to them being listed as a domestic terrorist group and said that they, uh, you know, that basically defended their principles. Uh, that's that guy from Minnesota. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So this anyway, this mayor not adhering, allegedly uh, not adhering to his own um, draconian COVID laws, which we've seen that before. Right. Everywhere uh, happens a lot in California. Pelosi, uh, Governor Newsom, hell, the mayor uh, of Austin, they president, have none of these president people. Biden and his family. He signed an executive order that you got to wear masks on public lands and took a picture at the National Mall and his whole family wasn't wearing a mask. And then when go. they were asked about it. Uh, in the press conference, his uh, his new uh, press secretary was it was delightful listening to her try to spin her way out of it. Oh, and when they asked Joe about it personally, his response was, "Come on, man." Hey, there you go. That's his uh, that's his crutch. Come on, man. I think he said that in the presidential debates. So I know he did. Uh, yeah. So there, there's another instance of these morons not. Telling us what to do, but then not doing it themselves, which it's all about power for them. Um, want to get straight into what I think is possibly the most important news, and that is the filibuster update. Uh, Minority Leader uh, McConnell, he relented on his demand that a filibuster provision be included in his power sharing clause with new Majority Leader Schumer. So essentially... You know, he wanted this to be written into their agreement because the, the Senate is split 50 50. Um, they're they're having to write up basically how the Senate's going to function for the next two years. And he said he wanted the filibuster to stay in place. He came off of that demand here uh, this week. Why did he feel OK doing that? Well, our main man, Joe Manchin yes, and sir. fellow moderate Democrat, Kristen Cinema uh, Cinema. Of Ari yeah. Arizona have stated they want they won't support doing away with the filibuster. So already, and, and I know we're gonna have places along the road where where Manchin is gonna vote with the Democrats. This doesn't appear to be one of them, man, and that is awesome news. It's huge. Um, it, it it's huge. The the rubber will meet the road if and when you know basically ten Republicans. Um, in any given, you know, contest would have to be willing to cross the aisle right. or risk a filibuster. Um, so, you know, the rubber will meet the road when they get their new stimulus bill prepared and, you know, mm -hmm. basically, basically everything they propose. Right. Um, but yeah, for now, I, I'm certainly glad to see that um, our prediction so far on uh, red state you know, Senate Democrats is holding true for the record and for whatever it's worth as a long, long, long time Senator himself, Biden doesn't support ending the filibuster. In fact, I want to say he objected to it even when they did it. You know, the, the reason that, that McConnell and Trump were able to get all these judicial appointments is because during Obama's administration, when that two year window at the beginning, when they had complete control of Congress, Schumer, uh, Schumer voted to strike down the filibuster for the judiciary appointments uh, specifically. And McConnell objected to it then and was like, 
y'all are opening up Pandora's box. You do this, whatever what goes around, comes back around, you know, y'all yeah. think y'all are going to be in power forever. You won't. And then sure enough, that came forth. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, this is one thing I think you can, you can count on mansion uh, and cinema for that matter to really dig their heels in. I think even on something like stimulus, that's probably going to end up bipartisan enough to, for them to work something out. Um, they probably won't get everything they want on the Democratic side. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Cut all the fat from giving money to these foreign countries. That I mean, if you have you looked at any of that stuff, dude? Like, yeah, I've seen hundreds that, of millions yeah. of dollars given to African countries. Like, let's take care of Americans. We're all, um, I mean, we're we're compassionate, right? Uh, you and I have both done mission work throughout our lives, and that's something that needs to be taken care of. But right now, we need to take care of Americans. And so let's cut all that fat out of there. I know they're not going to, but it's just mind blowing reading through some of that stuff um, that that those kind of appropriations are included in something that's a stimulus package for American people. Um, it's really ridiculous. But the filibuster, like you said, it requires a 60 vote majority. It protects the interests uh, interest of the minority party. That's essentially its function. Um so great news there, and uh, thank you, Mansion. And uh, also, I wasn't real familiar with uh, Kristen Cinema, uh, so uh, she's got a new fan here. Yeah, you know, she she's the one that um, she beat. I guess Martha McSally, who was the Republican from Arizona, that was like a uh, she's a uh, naval pilot, Air, Air Force pilot. She's a She's a fighter jet pilot, uh-huh. um, but uh, ran initially when um, when Jeff Flake stepped down two years ago. She ran for his seat, got beat by Cinema. Who you know, the allegations at the time about her were she was a pretty radical leftist in college. Um, but you know, a lot of people skew pretty hard left in their early twenties. Yours, myself included. Uh, not uh, not, not 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 Marxist yeah. left, but right. No, I know. <clears throat> I was never a Marxist, but I was definitely more left of center at the time. I've never um, actually not gone to vote and just checked straight Republican. Um, my dad oh. told me I should think about that someday because, especially like on on more like local stuff, um, certainly there's some Democrats who are worthy of consideration. Um, but so maybe next go around. <laughs> uh your your consistency on this matter is something to be uh, admired i i I admit not much thanks yeah i mean the reality is she she won mcsally really married herself to trump that turned a bunch of folks off in arizona cinema one um she has proven since uh pretty repeatedly to be the moderate that um you would expect from a state like arizona um then McCain passed, so the governor appointed Martha McSally anyway. Well, his seat was open in this last election, and she lost it again. So as great uh, a patriot and <laughs> and pilot as she may be, she's apparently a terrible politician because yeah. she managed to literally lose both Arizona Senate seats uh, for the Republican Party. Thank you, Captain McSally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but again, you know. I wonder how many politicians can say that. That's incredible. not a lot, man. <laughs> She's probably on a pretty uh, elite list as far Consistent, as that just like me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. You know, it, 
that was kind of one of the broad points I've tried to make in the last couple of conversations that there are, there are some things about the way power shifts in this country that, you know, we, we, we look at it and we look at the, the raw numbers and we think all hell's breaking loose and, and everything's lost forever. But the reality is, man, there's always something like this that sort of keeps the balance of power, particularly in the Senate, where everything that's the ultimate check, right? The Senate is designed to slow down progress. If you can get the Senate on board with something, that means it's major. It, presumably, it's supposed to mean it's supported by the majority majority of uh, you know, of the country. Mm-hmm. And this is the sort of thing we see, right? Like, you know, it, it's almost like it's planned. But that's a whole another sort of conspiracy theory mindset of mine we could get down maybe at a later date so well you talked about the the shifting of power just then and there is a a bill that's been proposed that would essentially well let let, let me touch on the filibuster thing i guess a couple minutes more just to make sure we've sort of fleshed all that out because your synopsis of it was pretty solid so this is the first time since 2001 that the senate is split 50 50 right uh you put that on our agenda so i i hadn't even seen it because i'm i'm not paying a lot of attention to news right now candidly um but the you know in in diving into it i it was interesting to read i think it was an npr article i saw that actually said so that the senate has been at stalemate since the inauguration because because it is split i guess the current senate procedures say uh, the, the Republicans did not have to surrender the chair positions of the committees of the Senate. Right. Um, the, the stalemate was that the Democrats could set the Senate agenda and I think call votes, but did not, could not take over power in the committees without this uh, brokered uh, agreement in place. And so they, they reached the same similar, I'm sure the parameters are going to be very similar to 2001, the last time we, that we'd had to do this. Um, and, and so, you know, the Democrats were coming saying, Hey, we've got to be able to move the Senate forward. Let's go back to the way we approach it then. And McConnell's kind of main stance was, I'm not doing it unless you include in the written agreement that you guys will not even touch the filibuster and McConnell dug his, or uh, Schumer dug his feet in said, no way. The hard left of the Senate, of course, wants to cram everything in the world down, uh, the nation's throats. And, um, you know, some might look at it and say he folded. In fact, most of the left-leaning articles that I saw on this put in the headline that he basically folded up like a, you know, cheap suit, uh, being very ugly. You know, like trying to antagonize him almost by by saying he he uh, he just gave up, right? Yeah. But but the truth is, he did get a concession. He got two um, senators from red states or at least you know in arizona's case i guess now a purple state to commit on the record that they would not support it and had the chance to reiterate biden has never supported it um so while he didn't get it in writing he did get the concession that he needed they don't have the votes right to make that right. happen so that's important right again but that also still means that it can come up but now what they'll do is they'll execute this this document that provides for the Republicans to now transition the power of the committees over and, you know, get on with the, the business of governing. Right. So, so uh, that's interesting that, uh, and like you said, Biden is against doing away with the uh, filibuster. 
does Kamala have to represent his wishes there? Or could she just say, no, screw that. I'm, I'm voting in favor of getting rid of the filibuster. If well, were. I mean, interestingly, as long as the filibuster, well, okay. About what, whether to get rid of the filibuster or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's certainly not beholden to him that I know of. Like, wouldn't that any, cause like a unprecedented rift between president and for Putin? sure. I mean, if she, if she, I, I can't, I'm, I can't think of a time when a vice presidential candidate, I mean, you know, there were times where Pence tried to do cleanup for Trump and, you know, in some ways even got sideways with him right up including to the day of the uh, the, the vote counting on January 6th but um to your point yeah I, I can't recall a time where a vice president it'd be interesting to look it up maybe we'll do that and try to include a, a note on it and bring it up in the next call but I can't think of a time where the VP took an action in direct contradiction to the president that actually meant a policy outcome right mm -hmm. um, I doubt that that happens ever. Um, right. but I, but I don't think that there's any sort of legal mechanism that prevents it. Sure. I think she's got a position. Uh, in fact, that position is, is a constitutional position in so far. I mean, obviously the VP is a constitutional position, but to be the pres president presiding over the Senate, that's in the constitution as well. Uh, there's nothing that says she's beholden in that role to the president's wishes, right? If that was the case, then it would be the president that would pre preside over the Senate. Right. So even in that, right. there's this intended sort of separation of powers that's why the ticket is a two-person ticket right um, but i think it would be extremely rare and getting back God. to sort of my, my cons those guys 200 and something years ago were just freaking geniuses man they really were man they've, they, they've they really were every check and balance and i mean of course the left is trying to destroy it uh systematically if they can uh but like like you just said the um, just think about that. They had the foresight to say, okay, the vice president will be the tie-breaking vote over the Senate. And the, the, so the president is completely removed from that. Uh, right. It's just absolutely brilliant. But then at the same time, at the end of the day, the president has to sign. I, you know, a filibuster thing, I, I'd have to look, but I think that's a strictly Senate procedural thing. I don't think the president has, it's not like a, because it wouldn't require a House vote. So it's not like legislation where at the end of the day, the president then has to sign it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, in, in, you know, in the role as tiebreaker on, on legislation, you know, in theory, uh, Vice President Kamila could take action to break a tie. Of course, that would, again, have to be by circumventing the filibuster, most likely. Mm -hmm. And then Biden could still even veto it. Right. Or anyway. Yeah, there's there's layers upon layers upon layers of ways to basically stalemate the whole government, <laughs> which is what. I think most uh, conservative leaning folks are probably hoping for for the next 48 months, 24 months. Yeah. Well, so, okay. I think that's good on the filibuster. Uh, certainly yeah. encouraging. And and I also think that um, it was kind of tactical of McConnell to go ahead and, and just get business going again before he really pissed off the, the hard left of the Senate. Um, you know, I think that the longer he stalled things, the more resentment would have grown. And so, and, and you saw, like you said, I saw those headlines too of, oh, he just folded up and uh, that, that wasn't really the case at all. So uh, he got what he needed and now it's back to business as usual. Um, you talked about though, uh, a couple minutes ago when, you know, the power shifts, it, it usually shifts back in, in, in our government historically. 
There is an a, a proposed bill right now by Democrat John Surbanes out of uh, Maryland. It's HR1. It is called the For the People Act. And this thing is pretty scary, man. This would essentially, in my opinion, do away with that transition of, of power back and forth, checks and balances, and just basically give the left power in perpetuity. And I'm going to play a quote here from Nancy Pelosi. And uh, yeah, it's pretty damning, but here we go. We have plenty of work to do in the Joe Biden administration. We're going to build the infrastructure of America in a green way. Uh, we're going to um, make sure health care is available to all Americans, lower the cost of prescription drugs. We're going to have HR1, HR1 right off the bat, be about uh, cleaner government so that we can reduce the role of big, dark, special interest money. Isn't that ironic, since the left is uh, basically puppets of big tech? Well, all sorts of corporations. It is ironic. Um, I hadn't really had a chance to chew into those components of this thing. Yeah. Um, I was more looking at some of the stuff they were proposing in terms of, uh, you know, voter registration. Oh, no, no. We're going to get to that, man. This is just uh, this is just her guys. You know, this is just a ploy. It's called For the People Act. But really, it should be called For the Democrats Act. Because all it would do is is give them power essentially forever. Um, here's a quote uh, from this. From, it's an 800-page bill, uh, but when you actually sort through it, some of the highlights. Um, for instance, you know, Florida requires an ID to vote. Texas does as well. California doesn't at all. You just show up. You can vote, and you can vote as many times as you want. Essentially, what HR one says exactly is a state may not require any form of identification as a condition of obtaining an absentee ballot. Uh, so it, it, it writes into the bill that Congress would have the ultimate power over federal elections, the states, which ha- it's been a hot topic, right, in here uh, from this last election, but the states would have no power at all. It would be totally run by Congress, and they would turn the federal election into the way that California runs it which is a very scary thought. Yeah, I'd have to, what, what, what section is that? I kind of thought, you know, since you brought this up, I've got it in front of me and I thought maybe we could do exactly what you just did and sort of pick, uh, you know, actually refer to the act on some of these uh, points. Do you have the yeah, section in front of you? That, I don't okay. have the section in front of me. Um, you know, that did say specific to the request of a, un, of a, of, of a ballot. Um, that doesn't necessarily say that, that you can't require a voter ID. No, no, they, that's that's you know. na- that's later, buddy. That's later. It's written in there as well. In general, for even if you showed up, like I did see that you'd have to provide a signature match. They they could require a signature match. No, no, they can't. No, it's uh, it's written in here, and I'm quoting. It would prevent states from requiring notarization or witness signature as a condition of obtaining or casting an absentee ballot. So you would not have to, essentially you could have paid uh, by the left or, or the right, you know, if the right ever did get back in power, whoever, it doesn't matter. You could have them go neighborhood to neighborhood, rounding up as many ballots as they wanted to and dropping them in a ballot box with no check or balance as to who signed it, how many they uh, submitted. It's, it's, it's unlimited and there's no checks or balances whatsoever. It's just and them. So I'm looking at it right now in section, 6A, 
for example. They have a mm-hmm. provision for creating internet registration, and it talks a lot about having to provide signature proof electronically. It, it It's not outlawing signature requirements. It may be on the voter ID thing, but there's a lot of provisions in here about how a signature verification process would be assumed to be part of all of these voting methodologies and registration methodologies that they're putting in here. Oh, well, that's um, not the way that I interpret it. Or- yeah, so like an individual meets the requirements of the subparagraph F, F if in the, ca- in the case of an individual who votes in person, the individual provides the appropriate state or local election official with a handwritten signature, or in the case of an individual who votes by mail, the individual submits with the ballot a handwritten signature. Right. Like that, that, that's, this is all coming directly from the proposed bill. So, well, I guess, I guess one of the, okay, but okay. Well, where's the authentication process there? I'm not, um, well, there isn't I, one, dude. I, I saw that when I was looking at it earlier. I can look for it, but I just generally, I'm not sitting here defending this bill. Let me make that abundantly clear. All I'm saying is in an 800 page bill, anybody can cherry pick components of it and then, paint a much broader picture than the bill might actually be stating. That's all I'm saying. So it's important to look to the text rather than Tucker. Sure. If we're going to speak to it, let's do this though. Let's call a spade a spade. Why would they be wanting, why would they want to introduce this if it wasn't giving them more power over the elections and making Congress the end all be all to where they could just do whatever the hell they want. So So, you can, you can say that, you know, okay, maybe I'm nitpicking pieces here, but the truth, I mean, the ultimate truth is that they want to pass this so that they can control the elections forever. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's what they're attempting to do. Yeah. What they're attempting to do here is make voting much, much easier for people who are otherwise not super motivated to go do it. Worth noting, it was originally proposed in March of last year. Uh, so they were trying to get this done for this last election. Um, and then they didn't. And instead, on a state-by-state basis, based on, oh, by the way, timing-wise, March 12th, when it was submitted, right about the time that COVID-19 went ape. I'm just saying. Perfect. <clears throat> this obviously didn't go anywhere. I would contend, I, I won't, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not ever going to acknowledge, quote, fraud any longer. But as we talked about last week, and you pinned me down on, I still have an issue with the unsolicited mail-in voting rule changes and the constitutionality of those. And I do expect that to be litigated up to the Supreme court at some point, much like this will be this thing, in my opinion, seems on its face to be a gross overreach at the federal level that with a more or less bulletproof five, four majority in the Supreme court will get swatted to beyond half court. Um, if they can manage to not only, you know, they'll get it through the house crap goes through the house all the time. That never has a chance a snowball's chance in hell of coming to fruition in law. Right. Um, this would be the kind of thing that the Senate would absolutely, the Senate, the Republicans will filibuster this and we will test the, the constitution, uh, not the document, but the gut of of mansion and cinema mm-hmm. with this in pretty short order, probably by the end of February. Um, of course, that process takes a while. My guess would be it would probably come right up into the 2022, 23 uh, election, 22 election season. 
uh, when the Supreme Court would rule on it because I'm starting to think more and more that the federal government is just a big, it's just, it's just a big movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with uh, a series of climaxes one after another, all timed perfectly to stoke lots of division in the most opportune moments. But anyway, again, I'm conspiracy theorizing. Did you know it isn't, it, it, it's, it's clear that to your point, it is intended to, um, to oh, address what they, what they consider is voter suppression. Um, that's just another way of saying uh, unregulated voting, man. That's all it is. Is and they're all going to vote for the Democrats. That's that's the way it's going to go. Uh, and there's there going to be no checks and balances on it, and that's their goal. So take away state power again. Uh, that's not something that you or I would support. Just just on the face, just for face value, on that standpoint alone, like state power is important. Yeah, I completely agree, and. Um... I guess what I'm getting at is I don't I'm taking the optimistic view yet again that this thing really probably doesn't have a chance of ending up on Biden's desk. That's great. Um, but we still yeah. need to talk about it because these are the I things agree. that they want to bring sure. forth. I'm not and, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um did you know that France and Canada, uh democratic countries don't allow mail in voting at all? Uh I didn't, but that's a I mean, there you go. Right. To your point. Well, that's because they're not. You're, woke. you're absolutely they are right. Not woke. That, yeah, no doubt. Canada is a little woke, but. Uh, well, I would say that they don't necessarily need it to push forward the progressive agendas that they, those two countries already, uh, you know, adopt. Like. I thought but, I just thought it was interesting. These. No, two, it is interesting. Yeah. It's absolutely interesting, but it's also interesting that their progressive politics rule the day, and here to get to a point of progressive politics, the left is having to pull all sorts of maneuvers to try to you know as you say get more people quote voting um because presumably they assume that those people are going to vote for them right it's just that you know it, yeah. your point i think that, that this second that sort of next point is interesting too that they don't need it to get what they're already so far ahead of us in terms of progressive politics it's shocking and it's also sort of a harbinger of where we may be headed yeah. Um, here's an interesting side note to this whole deal. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, richest man in the world, he champions mail-in voting. So it's it's weird to me that all of these elite leftists uh, vote Democrat and, and want, the, you know, it basically just says the Democrats are the party of oppression. We keep these people down, they keep voting for us, and we get richer, right? Okay, but interestingly enough, Amazon's own operations, uh, internally, they're fighting mail-in balloting in their Alabama union elections, claiming that, and this is a quote, an election decided by mail-in votes wouldn't be valid or fair. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah. Who is that again? Can you believe Al that? That's so this is the, so Amazon obviously has, I don't know, 100,000 employees, maybe more. Uh -huh. Oh, I, I bet it's more than that, yeah. So... They their own Alabama union elections, they are they are fighting mail in balloting because the Amazon is saying that an election decided by mail in votes wouldn't be valid or fair. That is hilarious. By the way, they have five hundred seventy five thousand seven hundred approximate employees. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, Johnny on the spot there. Thank you for that. 
and, and perhaps more interestingly, I started Googling how do, how many employees does and it auto-populated Amazon have. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. take that for what it's worth. <clears throat> so here's the, here's Jeff Bezos saying that, you know, we need mail-in voting and then he doesn't even want to adhere to it within his own company. Well, at least, you know, a hundred thousand of his employees don't. So, or however many are in Alabama, the hypocrisy I guess, but... is mind blowing, man. Yeah. Hmm. Two plus two, you know, you know that's kind of funny though, because it's a union within his organization that is standing against his Democrat adopted position. So there's a interesting little conflict of interest, right? Normally <laughs> what you would expect from a union is the adoption of democratic policies, but yeah. um, the more you look, the more yin and yang you find in every little, <laughs> every little aspect of these debates. Well, th that uh, brings up a point that I didn't have in the notes, but since you were talking about unions, uh, that Keystone Pipeline, mm -hmm. the uh, plumbers and uh, pipeline union that championed Biden, buyer's remorse, man. I've yeah, seen but... their president on, and he is not a happy man right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if they had just been paying attention five years ago, they would know that Obama and Biden fought the Keystone Pipeline for eight straight years. Uh, so why he didn't think they would jump right back to stalwarting it or, you know, stalemating it again, why those guys, you know, those unions didn't think that is hard to fathom, especially since Biden said straight up on a debate stage that he wants to end oil and gas altogether in the next five years. Yeah. Um, moving on to impeachment. Uh, I, to me, it's just beating a dead horse. Uh, I did hear an interesting take that that only applies to the president, vice president, and other members of the current council, which President Trump is a private citizen now. So I'm not sure that, you know, legally they're going to have the, the grounds to pursue this. But then also, even if they do, how can they prove it? He never said uh, riot the Capitol. Like, those words never came out of his mouth. How can they prove that he intended for people to take siege of the Capitol? That's not what this is about. They're not trying to actually, they don't care if they actually convict him of impeachment, man. This is all about public show and forcing Republicans into shame. In, that's right. Absolutely. And Trump followers into shame and, you know, everything else that has been evidence ever, ever, evident ever since the evening of January 6th. They don't give a crap about whether they, I mean, I'm sure they would love to, right? I think that. I don't know that there's any sort of legal or procedural ramifications, but I know that I think they think that the more they can damage him, the less likely it'll be that he runs again in 2024. He's not going to run again in 2024, which I think we both agree is a good thing. Yeah. We need to be done with Trump. In fact, I wanted to sort of just say again to the, let's vet this, this issue out. And then to the extent we can just move on from the Trump era entirely and focus on what Biden and Harris and, you know, McConnell and the current government has to say about things that you know let's do that but um yeah i think if they had you know all they're trying to do is damage him and everyone who's ever been associated with him which if you're listening to the media right now and i've staying close enough to hear this stuff they're absolutely saying is literally every of the 74 million americans who voted for him this time and anybody who voted for him last time right like they're all or apparently everybody is a seditionist uh, who dared support him and it's absurd 
it's laughable because it was just a mere four years ago where Hillary Clinton took the stand that uh, that election was a fraud. And then her caucus took that case for the next three years through, you know, investigations, you know, and, and various legal proceedings. Um, the former administration prior to Trump was actually spying on his campaign under false auspices, like for them to pretend as though the claims he was making were novel and uh, abhorrent given what they did for four years before is silly. Now, as far as did he try to incite an insurrection, we've everybody's looked at the words. I think he was reckless and I've heard some guys I like to listen to say similar things. Douglas Murray in particular, this British guy who's very much fighting against woke. Um, on with Jordan Peterson's Jordan Peterson on his podcast the other day. Anyway, they it, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to get the votes from the Republicans. It's not going to get what the Democrats think it's going to get, which is, you know, 70 something million Americans and probably a lot more than that to suddenly abandon everything they think and believe. Um, I'll tell you how I it makes this American feel. It, it it pisses me off. It's like, okay, you won. I concede that. Great job. Um, but now you're just pissing me off because you're pouring salt in the wound. It's gloating. It, that's all it is. It's, it's, you know, kick them when they're down. And I don't think that the other side would do that, to be frank with you. You know, I, I will say – one of the things that kind of came up at the very end of our last conversation was this, you know, definitive position that one side's good and one side's evil. And uh, well, there's truth to that. And we both know that that's that there's truth to that because we're fighting a battle of good and evil. You've said it on this show, Chisholm. So you can't turn around and tell me now that we're not and that, you know, one no, side I'm, is that's not my point. Okay. My, my point is that my point in that conversation was that I do believe that some of Trump's mis, uh, yeah, d deliberate deception that he's exhibited throughout his entire public life, going back to the early 80s, is the work of Satan. So you can't say definitively that one side is wholly good and the other side is wholly evil. That's my point. No, both sides not. are both. That's my point. Okay, so but I'm going to hold you to the... I'm going to put your feet to the fire here and say that still, what? it's just like a politician. And it's why we vote the way we vote. If one side is less evil than the other okay then then that's in my opinion the side of good like 60 well, percent, whatever 70 percent, it doesn't matter to me like I, if you're I fighting you. a battle of good and evil you got to line up with the people that are on the side of good man and all i was and saying the, the people on my side aren't trying to tell kindergartners that they can effing transgender uh you know indoctrinate them, them with i mean so so i know but but my whole point last week was let's attack the bad ideas and the 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 evil deceptions at the root of those bad ideas and stop castigating groups of people as either good or evil. That was my whole point. Okay. Because if your side is conduct is, is engaging or being, you know, allowing itself to be deceived in, in some way, that's, that's the kind of judgment God tells us is not for us. It's for him. That's my point. Right. You can, I, I, my point last week and in this moment of this conversation is just, Let's attack the ideas, which you just did. 
a specific idea, right? But I, I'm just not I'm just not willing to go to the extent of, you know, one side is righteous entirely and the other side is unrighteous entirely because there are plenty of people who don't agree with any of the crap that the, the hard left is promoting that still voted for Biden because they just couldn't bring themselves to vote for Trump. And you have to be able to reach those people and calling everybody who's a Democrat evil doesn't let you do that. Getting back to this point, unless you want to challenge I'm doing that. I'm just okay. saying this okay, is well, why if we're, if we're talking about an, an eternal battle of good and evil in this world, well, it's clear to me which side generally is aligns with the evil side, dude. I mean, I don't think you can slice it any other way. Yes, there are. I know good people. I know a chaplain that votes Democrat. Okay. And there are good people that vote Democrat. But it seems misguided to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I would agree with that. But I would also lend those people some grace in knowing and understanding, as we've acknowledged, that we didn't put our best foot forward over the last four plus years as conservatives in this country. Um, with evangelicals lining up behind, actually, I saw this. So, so if I'm not mistaken, um, Hillary Clinton received something like 13 to 15 percent of the evangelical vote in 2016, mm -hmm. um, and then in this election, but historically, Democrats get between like 22 and 26, something in that ballpark. So if they're closer to 22, they often lose. If they're closer to 26, they often win. She fell at half of that and lost. Biden got it back up to 26 and won. Um, getting back to the point, how did we get off on the whole good versus evil tangent? You had just made some point about. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We were just talking about this impeachment deal and I don't know. How oh, you, I know what I was going to say. So, so yeah, you, you've given your position as, you know, you said this American's pissed about it. I, I can tell you that this American um, thinks it'll blow up in their face like every other ridiculous overreach that they've ever tried. I, I, you know. Well, then I, that means that a lot of Americans are going to be pissed about it, right? Doesn't it have to be? Yeah. It's going to blow up yeah. in their face yes. and it's going to reflect yes. next time there's, you know, a vote into Agreed. an election. Agreed. All I'm saying is I'm not going to let them get my goat. I'm going to, oh, dude. It's not like I'm losing keep doing this. over it. I'm just okay. Saying, good. Well, good. Because my, my observation is in, in a very casual way. It's like okay, now you're just kicking us when we're down. Yep. And I, I could take the I could it's take very the petty. I could take the position, and I'm not saying that I do, but I could take the position that giving a speech on Capitol Hill after months and months of making allegations you couldn't back up about, you know going to the Capitol building itself while the electors are being counted for your successor to replace you that then leads to, you know, some breaking and entering, entering some, you know, injury and some lives lost. Um, you know, everything we saw that night, you know, did he call for that violence directly? No. Did he, create the environment that led to it i think it's hard to argue that he certain that he didn't contribute to it or so, did did 10 months of the left not condemning looting and rioting across the country cause that? agreed 100 that uh, dude one of my I fundamental think, i like, don't think you can blame trump for i mean 
I'm not exclusively blaming. I said the word contribute. Right. Okay. Right. I'm with you. The left absolutely should be held accountable for the way that they shielded, you know, covered for, uh, and, and and often straight up, you know, uh, in themselves incited, uh, I mean, not just last summer, but throughout history, we should, they, they should like, the hypocrisy, one thing I, I felt the need to clarify after last week, I the hypocrisy is undeniable, right? I, I'm still against the left. I'm still against the media. I'm still against uh, the members of the Democratic Party who preach down to the half of the country as a bunch of ignorant racists um, while they hide in their gilded towers, right? I'm still against all that. I'm just willing, I just feel the need to be fair in not letting my side get away with anything that's against my principles uh, just because they're, quote, on my side. And and the idea of just trying to have love and grace for people and try to see through whatever whatever deception is misleading them, causing them to to wander astray in order to try to reach them, right? Mm -hmm. I'd also like to say, this was something on my just mine that I wanted to clarify. If there's anybody, and I haven't actually gotten any feedback like this, the only feed, the feedback I've gotten from last week from people who've reached out to me has been positive, but or the last conversation anyway, episode 18. But anybody who, you know, has a real problem with, well, I did get, <laughs> I did get some feedback from Four Star Dead who <laughs> felt that, uh, who kind of felt like, you know, A, I caught you off guard, which I know I did. You said so but that maybe you had sort of um, some of the things you had to sort of said were almost as much to like, you were, he felt like maybe you were worried that we were going to alienate people by me taking the stand that I took. I don't think that's the truth. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think so. Right. That anybody who took issue and decide, you know, and thinks that they don't want to listen anymore based on the dialogue we had then and the dialogue we're having now um, you're missing the point of this conversation. This podcast was always intended to be a place where we debate um, our own beliefs with each other and sometimes deliberately debate like I was just doing where one of us maybe takes the devil's advocate position even though it's not necessarily what we believe. Right. Because part of the problem in this country is we've lost the ability, as you pointed out with Ben Shapiro, to engage in a good faith dialogue and debate. So if it triggered you that I was preaching, not you, but you know anybody, uh, you know, preaching grace and love um sorry and you know if that means you can't listen sorry for that but i I doubt that very many people heard it that way i hope very you know nobody heard it that way and um i'm gonna recommit to at times like i said playing the devil's advocate just so that we're thinking and um if you're looking for lockstep uh which i think is important chism because in yeah. our country i mean the, and this that's the issue right now with social media like Damn right echo how chambers can you have a free yep. uh, a free exchange of I- thoughts and ideas if one side is being censored by a double standard you can't 100 percent. and that it's- goes back to like okay now and i think i've said this before my exact words are it's like before the civil rights movement separate but equal rosa parks all that all that shit man yeah that's what we're gonna see in 2021 on social media, separate but equal places. Here's where the Democrats hang out. Here's where the Republicans hang out. And all it is is uh, one side talking bad about the other instead of having the conversation and saying, hey, um, I don't really 100% agree with that. Tell me why you feel the way you do so that I can 
maybe get on board with that, or at least we can come to a compromise. Exactly, man. Exactly. This, this podcast was never intended to be an echo chamber. Um, I think for maybe a couple months, we might've slipped a little bit into that. And 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 I don't don't think we need to apologize because that was the, I mean, that was the state of affairs in the world and in our country. Right. Right. I mean, what we, the conversations we had were still, you know, worth having and, and all that. I'm just saying, you know, I know from my perspective, I'm going to try to take a little bit more nuance going forward. And, and that was that's because, to your point, the social media silos that we've been surrounded into and the echo chamber group think that it causes is the ultimate rot that is eating away at our society. And that's that's what to me, that's the bigger that's the biggest enemy. Right. Because it precipitates precipitates. The, the the groups that then march in lockstep with the hard left or the hard right for that matter, you know, because if you if you let yourself fall into that, it's real easy to get sort of brainwashed into in, in into whatever that position might be, right? And so anyway, yeah. getting getting back on track. What you got next? So the oh, the last thing I was going to say is the uh, it looks like they're going to prosecute all these capital writers, which to me is a load of crap because. Not one person in America over the last year who's looted a riot or burned federal buildings, police stations, sacked the Seattle City Hall for a month, renamed it Chaz. None of them got prosecuted, man. Not one. Everyone was pardoned. Short of killing someone. You know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's jurisdiction by jurisdiction. But to your point, there were definitely uh, district attorneys who are the, you know, the decision makers on who to prosecute in most of the, if not all of the sort of biggest cities of the, where the longest, uh, where the longest demonstrations slash looting slash rioting was occurring that flat said, we will not prosecute any of this. Uh, you know, to your point, it, they considered that cause righteous, even if it meant a hundred days of, you know, attacking and destruction, like in Portland. And that's a problem, man. It's, it's, it's hypocrisy by definition, and, you know, my only hope is that people in those places see it and try to try to correct for it. Um, speaking speaking of speaking of hypocrisy. Surely you've noted that. Um, governor after governor and mayor after mayor, uh, all of a sudden are opening their states up. Like, well, of course, starting like the week of the inauguration. Miraculously. But at the same time, Biden's up there signing executive orders to, I mean, like my my Cape Buffalo hunt in South Africa is now in jeopardy because uh, he's like implementing all these travel bans again. So I, I have been following along closely on that front, and it's certainly concerning. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that um, a lot of that, too, is showing that uh, by the 1st of March, some of those will get. Uh, well, I'm going in February, so. Oh, yeah, you might be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was next summer. Yeah. Well, I'm going twice this year because Corona canceled the 2020 trip. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it, it hasn't been lost on me, the irony that as soon as Biden was in office, hey, now we can go back to normal life, right? Uh, what? How does that make sense? Uh, it's just, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, particularly because like the week before, the week before, we were being told all across the country that the spike was astronomical and it was the worst yet, and we were facing a super dark winter, and everything was only going to get worse before it gets better. In fact, Biden said that the other day. It 
I'm not saying COVID hadn't been real, man, but the reaction to I mean, it. My mom is still in the hospital, so dude, it certainly I mean, is real. Yeah, she is still. Geez, she's man. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Cuomo, when the vaccine was released, straight up said, straight up said that he doesn't want Trump to roll it out because he claimed, quote, he'd botch it and we should wait for Biden to do it. And it's like, how could we said this? How could he have botched it so bad that at least it wasn't worth some people getting it? Right. right? It, also, for what it's worth, um, the World Health Organization, I, I'll, I'll Google this and you know, Google it. If I'll talk about double masks. I'm, it. I'm, I'm, oh, there's the double mask nonsense. But no, this one's even even more important, man. We haven't dove too far into these PCR tests and the rates of false positives that were My being reported one. all year. She had a false positive? Uh, no, or, she had a false negative. A sorry. Okay, false negative. She, but, had, but the, she got corona from, I guess, from me, and right. obviously, um, which we, when we had everyone over for Thanksgiving. And then, but her symptoms came on like three days after mine, and she went and got the, the, uh, the rapid test, and it came back um, negative. But then she's walking around the house having all the same symptoms of someone with corona. And yeah, uh, she got the, uh, the uh, what is it, PCR, PR, PCR test. The, the one where you, it comes back three days later, and of course it was positive. Yeah, so this is some stuff I'll need to sort of bone up on a little bit and maybe provide some good links, but I, I, I'm not sure which test is which, and I know this, the though. PCR. Okay, okay, cool. So the PCR is supposed to, be, quote, supposed to be the more reliable one then, right? Right, yeah. Right, so it's got a higher rate of false positives than false negatives, and it, that has been spun in some circles as, well, that we'd rather be safe than sorry, right? So, so here's my super layman's understanding of it. And like I said, I'll try to provide something more scientific in the notes and stuff. But PCR, um, basically, it, it's testing for the virus at like a molecular level, right? Looking for even, even remnants, like, like dead, like decaying parts of the DNA that makes up the virus, right? And there's this cycle uh that it conducts to basically um enhance the imagery uh the testing right in order to uh pull to, to basically like zoom further and further in again i'm speaking in super layman's terms to try to identify these these sort of remnant particles right and for other pcr tests for other diseases including other coronavirus viruses uh, I think I, I remember hearing once that the, that the typical standard would be somewhere between like 26 or eight and like 34 cycles. Each time this thing cycles, it's looking deeper and deeper into the specimen for smaller and smaller fragments. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so normally you'd be setting a, uh, a standard of, like I said, I think it was like 28 to maybe 34, 35 cycles. And with this particular test for this particular virus last year the standard that was adopted was 36 or even 40 cycles so like well above you know any other similar test right so again that meant that like you could have just come across the virus a dead cell of the virus and it could just be hanging out in your nose and have no threat of getting you sick and therefore no threat of you passing it on right right but you can in theory have a quote positive because you have this DNA residual in you. What's the point of a positive test if it's not conveying information about whether you can get sick yourself and more importantly, get some other person sick? Well, they would say, well, it shows you where the virus is. 
Well, the virus is everywhere. So that doesn't really help me, right? As far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Point being, the World Health Organization, in addition to suddenly demanding that we need to double mask, oh, we're also being told to mask even if you had the virus, continue to social distance, et cetera, et cetera. Because now they're saying, we haven't proven yet that you can't transmit the virus if you've taken the vaccine. Awesome. What? Yeah, dude. <sighs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. My wife got the vaccine, by the way. Didn't go so well. Oh, really? She got she Moderna, got and uh, it knocked her on her ass for two days. Felt like she had COVID again. So take that for what it's mm. worth. Yeah, uh, you know, I had. It really didn't any... inspire me to want to get it, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And and I, you know, we've talked about that. There's great polio. Uh, uh, our kids will never get chicken pox like we did. Uh, so I'm pro vaccines. This one though, I mean, like I'm, I just watched her. It, the good thing was that she could still go to work, right? Because she wasn't, she didn't really have COVID, but uh, she sure felt like shit for two days. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's not my business, I guess. I, I, you know, you already had it, and then you didn't even. She got it because she was afraid that it wasn't going to be available, and her her deal is she wants to be able to be around her, you know, her her parents, my parents, all that stuff. Sure, okay. Um, but my parents have already had it too, so I'm not concerned there. Her parents have not. Okay, uh, she's a medical professional. I'm not, so I'll defer to her. Um, anyway, the the point being, I believe it's the WHO, the WHO, uh, or, or maybe it's our actual CDC. But the point being, the, the this PCR test methodology, just in the last week, they reduced it from 36 plus cycles down to 26 or 28, down to the normal range, right? Down to what was recommended originally for this testing which will invariably mean that there will be fewer false positives. And oh, by the way, across the country in the last four days, states are reporting drops in numbers. Even though we were told two weeks ago, expect a, except expect the spike to continue to go up through the wintertime and for us to be facing a, quote, dark winter. So guess uh, what? Yeah. They changed the testing methodology. The numbers are getting better. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, by the way, Larry King passed away. God Saw rest that. him. I was I was listening to uh, I was listening to the radio last night uh, on my way to get beat up in that soccer game, and they had this interview on with him and Jerry Seinfeld, which was hilarious. If anyone hasn't heard that, uh, he actually asked Jerry. He said, "Now, did you get canceled, or did you cancel them?" They didn't cancel you. You canceled them. You're not aware of this? No, I'm, I'm asking you. You think I got canceled? Are you under the impression I, I that I got canceled? You, I hurt you, Jerry? I thought don't, that was pretty well documented. This is, a, is this still down. CNN? Don't most shows go down a little? Most people do also. You know who I am? <laughs> Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. 75 million viewers. Last okay. episode. Were you? We'll be right back. Jeez. B movie. Can we get open. a resume in here for B-movie me? B movie. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I want to hear about getting beat up at the soccer game, but real quick on Larry King. It was a he it went, was just my body getting beat up. Oh, okay. I didn't actually get into a fist fight. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I thought maybe you were just I got a yellow like, card. Body Oh, well there you go. Thought you, the guy you were that, just roughing it up with that, dudes the other in their guy late twenties. So I can't I guess maybe that was a little hypocritical. Uh he fouled me, I got in his face, then he pushed, and then he got ejected and I got a warning. Okay, so you did almost get in a fight. <laughs> he who hits last is most in trouble. That's what my mom always said when I was a kid. Uh, that's awesome. Right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's last yeah. is going to get in trouble or at least get caught. Uh, so I didn't throw any punches or, you know, I didn't. I certainly don't fight. You know, that's just uh, sometimes I, I tackle a little too hard. 
Moving on. Larry King. Yeah, well, so he went to the hospital uh, with COVID, passed away. Have you heard anybody report that he got killed by COVID? I didn't know he went to the hospital with COVID. I just heard he died. The guy was like 80-something. I just figured he died of old age. He did, but he had COVID. And if this had been two months ago, if this had been two (laughs) weeks ago, if this had been two weeks ago, undeniably, the news report would be Larry King dies of COVID. I got to put that on just six months ago because that's absurd. Like, of course, COVID killed him. Well, I mean, dude, I don't know. My point all along has been if you're well into your 80s and you've had multiple open heart surgeries and multiple rounds of cancer and multiple heart attacks, a cold, which is technically what this is, Mm -hmm. can kill you. Something at that stage of life is going to kill you, right? I I mean, mean, he didn't get that sweet talking radio voice without smoking three packs a day right (laughs) exactly man i mean he's never been a he looked like the grim reaper again (laughs) the man who just passed away so let's be respectful of that he's a legend a legend in media right Uh, absolutely the dude looked like the grim reaper when i was a kid (laughs) yeah my Uh, my point is my point is just that you know cnn did this huge because of his long time obviously affiliation with cnn this huge coverage of him and uh, that guy I've mentioned before, Dave Rubin is, uh, like a huge fan of his and uh, used to work for him and like had a relationship with him right up to the day of his death. And he was like, yeah, CNN talked an awful lot about, uh, you know, the legend of Larry King. And they didn't seem to mention once that, that they never said he died of COVID. <laughs> so that's, it's just, just, I mean, it's just, it's just an example of what well, I, I want to battle, which is, a, which is misinformation and, 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 right. and just straight deception by, uh, by the media everyone died of covid in the past year now all of a sudden biden's president and larry king just died of old age yeah. right yeah with, with covid right, right. Not, a, not of COVID. <laughs> yeah. um well so that's all i had i know you wanted to um, those were the things on my list for today what's uh what's on yours got about 30 minutes before we yeah, wrap I, don't, this up. I don't know if it'll take that long just um you know when we were talking last time we got into the whole this discussion about um what social media is pulling, uh, what big tech is pulling, uh, well, and now what the damn cable news is even trying to pull in terms of silencing, uh, you know, alternative views to theirs. Um, and, you know, whether it's freedom of speech or not, I will say generally, I didn't disagree with your premise that we need to do something about this. Yeah. All I was saying is at the moment, the law of the land uh, basically doesn't protect us against this, but courts are now being engaged and, and they may they may just make up some legislation to cover the situation. But uh, my, my point is I had made the comment about what we do and how at the moment we were safe. And I said, just off the cuff, you know, I, I'm surprised I haven't heard anybody coming after podcasts yet. You know, right. they're all I over remember that. Yeah. Uh, you know, parlor and all that other stuff damned if not like it was either the very next day or the day after we recorded all of a sudden articles started popping up all over the place and discussions in cnn and stuff about the quote podcast loophole you know they've been after joe rogan the woke scolds have been after joe rogan for years already um for quote you know giving a platform to the ben shapiro's of the world which is hilarious because if you really listen to ben shapiro you know you may disagree with his positions but well whatever they, 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 they've, they've, they well, have disagree attacked. with facts. I don't disagree right. with facts. Exactly. Well, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's ironic to me that the left would go after Joe Rogan, who's up until the last year 
been blue pilled, uh, you know, and that's been very well known. Like, oh, he describes himself as left on basically every single measure except for guns and, and hunting. He still voted for Sonny Jurgensen or whoever the the, the, right. the independent right. this year threw his yeah. vote away. Which he's he's like, I'm moving to Texas. Red pill, red pill. That's that kind of the message he sent out. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, I still voted. You know, I threw my vote in the trash. Sorry if you feel differently, but when you when you vote for someone that has no chance of winning. You can stand on some moral high ground, I suppose, but your vote meant nothing, and that's the way it well, is. Well, just so that for the record, that's what I'll be doing next time if it, the two parties don't give me somebody better than okay, Hillary well, Clinton, Joe you Biden. You can throw your vote in the trash and I'll Donald have to go Trump recruit someone else to take your place, I suppose. Not oh, on a podcast, so now, but just I was going to say, we're not, allowed to have, we're not allowed to have a debate. We're not allowed no, to it have just means I'm going to have to go get someone else to say, oh, hey, right. my buddy Chisholm wadded up his vote and threw it in the trash can. Can you please vote conservative? Anyway, back to the point. <laughs> they're after they're after the podcast. Uh, it's now. It, I mean, within two days of me having said that on this this podcast, all of a sudden there were, uh, like I said, lots of articles and news reports about the quote podcast loophole and how to um, shut that down. And I, you know, I mentioned the guys at No Agenda a lot, and uh, that guy Adam Curry, who used to be on MTV, was one of the original quote pod podcasters. Um, they kind of created the art, and there's. <laughs> I should know more about this since we do this, but there's something about it's a the way that we you know it's a ur you you what is it a urs feed you um uh rss feed right rss, RSS feed, feed is correct pro yes. protocol basically the way the technology works for podcasting right now they don't really have a way to big tech doesn't have a way to combat it um they may be able to take us off. Uh, Apple, I guess. I mean, there's a there's an approval approval process for that, so there has to be a way they can do that. But they can't, they can't, they can't take us off our own website, right? Right, and and they can't they can't just like they can't even regulate those feeds, right? RSS is its own sort of independent function, and so, um, but but they're 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 knocking at the door. They're they're aware of the problem. I got into it on uh, Instagram right at the end of the. December, I guess, mm. um, with two guys, one who happened to be from Texas. Um, and he and I were actually having a pretty cool debate to his credit, um, though he was defending Marxism to his discredit. Um, Did and, he have a man bun to go along with that defense of Marxism? Uh, as a guy who has been known to uh, throw his long hair up from time to time, I, I resent that. <laughs> But <laughs> I, I mean, I knew it when I said it. So yeah, I know. I know you did. It's not short. It's too short now for that. By the way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, this you're dude forty comes... now, so time to grow up. Just <laughs> <laughs> on that. <laughs> I actually started that five or six years ago, and have had some pretty substantial uh, gains in my uh, status in life with long hair. So it's hadn't held me back yet. Anyway, um, I'm just jealous because I, <laughs> I know you are. Everybody who complains about it is just jealous. Yeah. They all tend to have pretty far back receded hairlines. I'm just going to say. Yeah. Um, so this good dude comes flying in from the top rope out of left field and says something to the effect of this is one of this guy is one of those uh, podcast faux moderates uh, that listen to Joe Rogan and pretend to understand the positions of the left, but they're really just conservatives who want to keep everything the same. And I was like, if that's really what the entire left thinks about people who just want to have a discussion, um, 
that I mean, it, well, it is part of a, a good group of people think that way, and um, I mean, a good sized group of people. And it's a, another perfect example of the problem in the country. This dude is saying that these long form conversations that guys like Joe Rogan are willing to have with everybody from Bernie Sanders to Ben Shapiro uh, are a problem, then, you know, we, we've got a way longer road to go to get back to anything resembling. Seriously, you couldn't civility. have two opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum any further apart than than Bernie Sanders and Joe Rogan. I mean, and Ben right. Shapiro. And he's talked to both of them for hours at a time. Right. You know? That, that viewpoint is absurd from that dude. It's absurd. And I fought it, fought back against it, um, assuming that he had come in in defense of Marxism as well. And his response was, see, this is the problem with you Republicans or conservatives. Y'all y'all think that, you know, I didn't, I never defended Marxism and I'm not sitting here asking for a revolution. And I was like, oh, well, my bad. You came in defending the guy who's arguing for Marxism. Forgive me if I just assumed you were holding similar views. Right. But anyway, man, it was just like faux, faux centrism. Like, it's it's a it was a perfect little example of the problem and the hilarious thing was man this was on a guy named lex friedman's instagram feed who became he's a he's an ai engineer from mit who Hmm. by the way was born and raised in the soviet union and whose family fled communist ussr in the early 80s for the for the united states he's gone on to become one of the most preeminent you know uh, software tech you know, developers and thinkers in terms of, you know, artificial intelligence development on the planet. And you know where he became famous on Joe Rogan's podcast. And you know what he does now? He hosts his own podcast. It was hilarious, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Lord. Help us all. Well, so it is funny though, that you said at least they can't touch podcasts and then 36 hours later, here they are. Well, I even said like, I wonder why they haven't yet. And it's like, as if like I knew, it's only a matter of time. Little did I know it was going to be like before the end of the week. Yeah. So, well, and uh, the head of Facebook security, I saw the other day, uh, he was on CNN saying how, and I told you this off the air, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he said that they need to have uh, in the name of protecting democracy, they in freedom, they were looking for conservative outlets to censor. Do you, do you see that? irony there he said some oh he even brought up youtube he said some of these youtube these conservative right-wing youtubers reach more people daily than cnn that's what he said and they need to be censored right this is the head of security for facebook i saw that the other day yeah yeah him saying that all these people listen to these folks and their ideas means that they shouldn't they should be throttled back or censored um don't we already have those values and ideas, though? I mean, like, yeah. It's not, I mean, yes, we listen to those people, but we we already have. That's why we vote conservative, generally speaking, is because those are the ideals and values that we believe in. What some famous YouTuber? It's not like these people are being indoctrinated. You know, seventy-four million people just indoctrinated by YouTubers. No, it's called uh, Republicans and Democrats, and generally speaking, most people are one or the other. But well, he, you know, here, uh, let me uh, let me let me counter that a little bit. I'll be honest with you. A lot of the ideas and positions and beliefs and understanding I have of politics that I hold now has come through the education I've gotten through podcasting. Uh, ben Shapiro being, you know, a, a, a major element of that. Um, you know, I don't know that I had thought through things and, you know, I, I 
I think that the the bleeding heart side of me, I've told you this before. We you know this, yeah. and our listeners know this. Was yeah. was kind of winning out until my right around the age of thirty, and then all of a sudden started to look around and think there's some weird stuff going on. I don't agree with this. And this sounds ridiculous and dove into some of these discussions. Actually, I got into podcasts first trying to find information about elk hunting when I was, right. I guess was, I was 34. Right. And you know, the first elk- time I heard of Ben Shapiro was in the Turkey woods with you. And you're like, I've been listening to this guy, Ben Shapiro. And I'm like, See? What? I don't. And yeah. as someone who talks for a living in my other, in my, my real job, uh, which I've done for almost 12 years, I don't listen to podcasts, uh, which I want everyone to listen to ours, right? But I, I, it's like for me, and now I'm doing two podcasts, um, that one and then this one with you. Uh, it's like I'm just look, looking for a time waste. Like I'm looking for music, something to just sure. get my mind off of talking and to away from what I view as work, right? Um, so, but I have, and you have inspired me to, to is really certain episode. You'll say, hey, you need to listen to this. And then I'll go listen to it. And so I have been listening to more podcast uh than at any other point which was essentially zero um but yeah it's weird it's, it's weird to just because i do it for a job that it's uh not anything I've, I've really taken an interest to but back to your point ben shapiro that was in the turkey woods probably like i don't know five years ago yeah yeah i'm sure at least because that's you know around the time i probably started listening to him but i guess to this facebook uh, jerky's point i can say that I'm not sure looking back if my views changed or if Ben just enlightened me to what was really going on and the beliefs and, and sort of convictions in my heart uh, aligned with that side where it never had been presented to me properly before. Does that make sense? Like he didn't change to your point earlier. He You're didn't change me my go heart. back to the good versus evil, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was. I when was, you say the convictions in your heart, I'm like, okay, that's the good. That's the good. I agree. The others, the I agree. Evil. I agree. I had been deceived. I've, I admit that I had been deceived by Barack Obama himself, both mm-hmm. literally in person and then, you know, through that campaign. I didn't vote for him for re-election because by then the scales were starting to fall from my eyes. But what I'm getting at is, while I wouldn't say he changed who I am, he enlightened me and educated me on some things that I didn't. I'd never really been uh, paying attention to. Right? Like. Uh, for example, in my late 20s, after having gone to law school, which law school is a place where you get uh, a certain perspective of indoctrination, you know, I would read the news and assume what I was reading was true. And guess what the news always supports? One side, all except for Fox. And when you're in that insular, when, when, when you're trusting what you're being told and nine out of 10 outlets are saying one thing and only one out of 10 is saying something else, it's it only makes sense that you would say, well, everybody else is saying this. These guys must be full of crap, right? Right. It took it took a, a, an education through the podcast world for me to realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm being lied to by everybody, including Fox, right? Everybody. And I got to figure out what's right in the world for myself, right? Based on these bedrock principles that I already had in my heart. But my point is, where he claims that that means they should be throttled, my argument is everybody should have the ability to speak and everybody should have the ability to go find information freely so that they can find what makes sense to them. Right. And that, but that create, that's not, that's messy, right? Just freedom. Well, freedom. I, I don't know who said this originally, but freedom is messy. You're yeah. going to accidentally find yourself in a conspiracy theory rabbit hole from time to time. And that can engulf people, you know, and, and, and cause you to see the world through a weird 
lens that, uh, you know, of some sort of alternate reality. It, it's not perfect. But, you know, if they're saying that the Ben Shapiro's of the world who mostly speak sense and truth shouldn't be allowed to do so, we all know what kind of tyranny that is, right? So well, here's an, here's an uh, analogy. And I think I actually heard it on one of the uh, Rogan podcasts you maybe listened to. Uh, and he brought up, you know, he was talking about censorship. And he brought up the fact that there's flat earthers out there, which that is, everyone knows that's a lie. That's a conspiracy. It's not true. But they're not being censored. So they're only censoring what um, they disagree with or, you know, 70. Yeah, well, they're the, 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 yeah, the people they're going after the hardest are the ones that are making sense. Mm -hmm. Right. The ones who are actually jeopardizing their march towards, quote, progress because they're speaking the truth, truth and sense. Right. But, you know, and I will say one thing, you you know, you, you said earlier, like, how can you argue with Ben or, you know, you can disagree with some of Ben's positions and you're like, how can this self have changed your mind on his gay marriage? Well, although he even that he does moderate and say he doesn't believe it should be the government's business. Right. That, you know, that the federal government should just let people have whatever. But, uh, you know, don't let don't don't say that his synagogue has to perform it. And he doesn't have to, I think, uh, uh, sort of acknowledge or respect it. So he kind of takes a libertarian stance on it. Right. But, you know, yeah. he, he, he on religious grounds um, kind of agitates against, uh, you know, LGBTQ type uh, rights, I guess. So my point is just that he does have his facts, but he also has his personal opinions. The good thing about Ben is he knows where that line is and he'll draw it for you and he'll say, this is my belief because I wear a yarmulke. Right. Right. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. We'll have to do a whole a podcast on that eventually because I, you know, I do come from a Southern Baptist background. Don't identify as that anymore. Uh, but like, homosexuality was not something that was condonable when I was a kid. And then you don't get to pick your family, right? I'm, my wife's sister is a lesbian. She has a wife, and I have a niece and nephew. Uh, from uh, I think they bought the semen from some guy in Germany through online or something. And so anyway, I've got two wonderful, you know, a niece and a nephew and, and they're amazing people. And it's totally changed my outlook on that personally, you know, um, much like Ben, I guess I just, it's, that's between them and God. And I'm not uh, here to be the judge, jury or executioner on stuff like that. I agree. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, yeah, it's, um, all people are children of God. And therefore, it is not up from up to me to judge anybody's uh, lifestyle, orientation, preferences, or the approach they take. Um, you know, if people love each other and they raise children uh, with with love and grace, I'm for it. And you know, whatever the Bible says about it, I'll leave it to uh, God to judge if He's going to do so. But uh, I'm also with Ben's position, libertarian wise, that it just doesn't need to be the government's uh business yeah and at the same time that includes you know if somebody if if a group has a religious perspective on it uh under the first amendment that needs to be protected as well so that just like the the uh the cake baker in colorado right like right yep exactly same thing um all right i think we're gonna wrap it up here man uh enjoyed the conversation today as always yeah Leave us your feedback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ratings. Certainly. Send us a note. Circum- subscribe, please. Yeah. 
Uh, five stars Let on uh, Apple Podcasts, unlike Chisholm's dad. Right. So Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 19 of Justified Pursuit. For my buddy Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. We'll see you guys next time. Podcast free or die. Take me through the night.